God, we proclaim that you are king. By our presence here together as a family of believers, we proclaim that you are our king. And it is almost impossible for us to get our minds around the love that you have for us. A love that would uh, place joy before the Son of God. That for the joy of reuniting us with you, that he would endure the cross, that he would die for us. And yet we trust that this is true. Uh, We believe your word and the testimony that it has given. Uh, We believe your saints. Uh, We believe those who uh, we've heard the gospel from. God, we profess that these things are true. So please help us continually uh, to live like these things are true, uh, to reflect the gospel in the ways that we love our neighbors and love our families, love our coworkers. And we do pray that you continue to be glorified in the ways that we worship through prayer and preaching and uh, song this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather without shame and without fear uh, and to praise the name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. All right. Welcome to Grace Community Church. My name is Ricky Lee, and I am the youth director here at Grace. If this is your first time here, I want to say welcome. Glad you guys have chosen to come and worship together um, with us this morning, with our body. And when you came in, you would have been given a bulletin. All right, so if you guys check out your bulletin, you'll see on there there's a, there's a prayer focus. And every week we take time to pray together as a church family. And this bulletin goes home with you if, if you want to take it home. And this is to help remind you throughout the week what we're praying together as a, as a church body. Also, there's individual prayer requests. And on the inside of the bulletin, the other flap there, you'll see just general announcements like our, our fall retreat uh, for students, men's breakfast, women's ministry type things, all that's there. So check out the bulletin spend some time um, with it after you go home today. But let me say welcome again. And especially I want to point out, we have some of our brothers and sisters from the CMA with us this morning. So if you guys would raise your hand, check out the leather vest. Those are awesome. So that's good. We're glad that you guys are here. They're here with our brother, Tony. So we're thankful to have, um, have Tony here bringing brothers and sisters in Christ to come and worship with us who's not usually um, here, usually worshiping other places. So we're glad you guys have joined us. Thankful for the ministry uh, that, that you have. Um, that, that it's, it's, it's a niche that, that you guys can, can reach. We're thankful for that. Also, I want to point out, since I'm the youth director, I get to make this special thing. I want to tell you that, students, we are meeting tonight. We're going to meet in the back at 6 o'clock, but coffee house starts at 6.30. So we're coming up to the coffee house at 6.30, but we're going to spend some time in small groups this afternoon. So be here at 6.30. We're going to break out with your small group leaders. We're going to catch up. We're going to pray together. So still plan to be here to be here at 6 this, this afternoon, as, as usual. Well, you'll see our prayer focus this morning in your bulletin is home groups. And this is kind of a home group Sunday in a way. All the Campbell students are back. A lot of people are settling into churches. And we like to, in a way, relaunch home groups. Not that they officially end through the summer, but many take the summer off. So a lot of our home groups are relaunching either this weekend or next weekend. So we, this afternoon, we're going to have, or after church, we're going to have a time for you guys to go around and to meet all of our home group leaders. We have a pretty big team of people who, who serve in home group ministry. We have, we have leaders and we have hosts. So right, right now, if you guys don't mind, just so you can kind of scope it out and get an idea, if you're a leader or a host, do you mind standing up? Yeah, put you on the spot. Go for it. 
There you go. Yeah, so you guys see, these, there's, there's many people that serve. So you guys can sit back down. This is an area of ministry that's huge to us here at Grace. We come together, we gather Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And it's easy, and this is appealing for some people at Grace. Hey, they only meet once a week. We can come on Sunday morning. And we can sneak out, see you next week. And then you just come and you do that again. But it's, if you want to grow, if you want community, the Christian life is best lived out in community. We even see in the, in the Trinity, there's, there's community. And we all need community. We're craving that. You're getting it from somewhere. And we're trying to provide that for you in the church. So we want you to have a place that you can have community. So we have home groups. And it's still pretty low-key, our demand of our church. We're not asking you to come to all these different meetings. We have Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and then we have a home group meeting in the middle of the week. And that's kind of our priority. The rest, yes, we want you to participate if you feel led to, but if we get to pick two, it's Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and it's a home group of your choice. And we have many options for you. So you, you might say, well, what, what is a home group? Well, it's a place that you go, and you usually drink good coffee, maybe have some snacks, and some of you guys may share a meal. They're sermon-based home groups. So you're going to be talking about what was, what was preached from the pulpit the, the, the Sunday before, or that day if you meet on Sunday. So we're starting the book of Hebrews next week, and this is a great time to dive into a home group. We're going to be walking through the book of Hebrews verse by verse, and you guys get to go, and you get to discuss it. You might say, I don't want to discuss it. I'd rather listen. (laughs) That's some of you. And that's okay. If you go to a home group, your leader is not going to say, okay, if you will tell us your testimony and your whole story and can write this paper for us and then pray afterwards and recite the book of Romans or whatever. I don't know. They're not going to do that. It's a home group is a welcoming place. Come in, just hang out, be a part of it. Listen. You don't have to talk you can scope it out for a while. I'm sure they'll ask you your name. So be ready to give your name, you know, maybe where you're from. But don't worry, they're not going to make you pray. They're not going to make you recite the Lord's Prayer. They're not gonna, there's not going to be all this pressure. It's a welcoming place for community. Come and have community at a home group. When? Home groups meet all different nights of the week, for the most part. We don't have a home group on Wednesday night. We don't have a home group on Friday and Saturday. So right now we have one home group that meets Sunday afternoon. We have two more that are launching next Sunday that meet just in the afternoon. So we have three groups right there. If you come to church, you go grab some some Mexican or Bojangles and go join in on a home group, and you get to discuss the sermon. We have home groups that meet on Monday night, Tuesday night. We have a Thursday night home group. They're spread out everywhere from Dunn, Irwin, a couple in Bowie's Creek in the Keith Hills neighborhood, up in Fuquay, Willow Spring. We have a couple in Anger, one in the Calibiot Kipling area right off of 401, everywhere. And you might wonder, well, how can, I, how can I scope these out and see where they're meeting at, what time? Well, our, our website is a good tool to go to, graceccnc.org. There's a couple of places on there. Click home group. There's an interactive map you can play with there or get your kids to play with and show you how it works. Or you can, you can click by city, area, and that'll give you all the details. Hey, all right, this group serves a meal. We're going there. This group's just coughing. Ah, you know, you can decide, you can scope it out by food if you want. All those details are right there. We have a few groups that do have meals. They share potlucks, so you don't have to bring something your first time. But if you keep coming and you don't bring anything, they might nudge you and say, hey, come on. So you can scope it out that way. Every night almost, you can join in on a home group. Visit one. Visit two. Visit three. 
It's okay to visit multiple home groups. Don't worry, you're not going to come the first time and we're locking you in and saying, we have them, they're ours, and why aren't you back if you don't come back? No. I mean, we're going to check in on you probably because we want you to be a part of a home group. But visit a few home groups. If you want to know the demographic, we have a, the McLaughlin and Acock home group that meets over in Keith Hills. They're mostly our seniors. So you may, you may want to know, hey, what, what kind of demographic is this home group? Once again, our website, scope them out. They're our wise group. I don't, you might have other things to say about the group, but they're, they're our wise group, I'll say. You can go on the website, email the leader, hey, are you, are you guys young? Are you families? Are you college students? Are you older people? What, what are you? And you can find out the, the, the demographic. This afternoon, we have an opportunity, or after church, keep saying afternoon, for you guys to meet our home group leaders. They're going to be spread out throughout the sanctuary, the welcome room, and the lobby here. You guys can go around, and you can meet all of our different leaders. I know this is the opening Sunday of NFL, so greet someone, and then you can leave. We won't, we won't keep you. We won't hold you so long that you can't make it home to see the kickoff. So go around. Andrew is going to be um, in the back corner kind of here, our couple of Andrew groups. Our couple of Bowie's Creek groups are going to be in the lobby, and everyone's wearing these stickers here, home group leaders. If you don't have a sticker, they're in my office. You can sneak out and grab them during greeting time. And there's some home group cards. They'll give you a sheet of paper that has address and time. Our Dunn-Irwin group is going to be in the welcome room. We have one that meets in Chikora, I think is how you say it. Um, and we have a few, uh, quite a bit of Fuquay Verena groups. They're going to be up front here in the sanctuary. Lillington group, we have one that's going to also be in the welcome room. And we have a new Willow Spring group that's launching. They're going to be um, in the back corner near the sanctuary as well. So go around, grab some information, grab three or four cards, grab all 13 if you want. We have 13 home groups. Um, we had 12 when this bulletin was printed, but now we have another one that's added. So we have, we have a lot of options for you guys to check out. So I'm going to ask a couple of people to pray, and I want you to continue, if you don't mind, praying this week for our home group ministry. For those of you that have been coming for a while, you've been blessed by home groups, maybe you say, I'm ready to serve in a home group. Maybe you say, I can lead this, it's sermon-based. Pastor Brad sends out questions. We just talk through the questions. I, I can do that. Or maybe you say, I don't want to do that, but I, I have this bonus room, and I have a house that's big enough to hold families and people. I can host it. If you want to host, if you want to lead, I encourage you to talk to Pastor Brad, talk to myself, talk to David, and we'd love to get you guys plugged in. So I've asked Neil Manning. He's going to pray. He's one of our deacons. Um, invested, he's invested much in the, in the home groups. He's going to pray for our leaders and our host. And my wife, April, she's going to pray for all of you guys that people will get plugged in. They'll find community in the church. So let's pray. Amen. One of the many ways we worship every Sunday morning is through offering. So we're going to prepare our hearts for that. And I want to ask you to pray with me as we uh, prepare for offering. Lord, we thank you for all that you have given us. Lord, especially the gift of eternal life. Much grace and mercy. And Lord, who are we to withhold from you? Father, help us to be people that give in so many ways. Lord, that we give the good news of the gospel, that we enjoy ourselves, the hope of salvation, the grace and the mercy you have shown us. Help us to be a people that, Lord, that we're gracious, that we're merciful to others. Lord, you provided for us in so many ways. And Lord, one of those ways is financially. Paychecks, and people who have given. Lord, we pray that 
you will use the gifts that we give back in return, Lord, to further your kingdom. We thank you that we get to serve this way. You have sacrificially given to us, and we get to share in that and sacrificially give back to you. Lord, we pray these offerings will be taken, they'll be used for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace. If you are here for the first time, we extend to you a special welcome and so glad you could be with us to worship the Lord with us on this day. Ricky mentioned the guys from CMA, that stands for Christian Motorcycle Association. If we have any trouble in the service, these guys are going to take care of it, so don't be uh, talking back like you normally do. (laughs) Behave yourselves today. We are indeed grateful for the Lord's presence with us on this morning. What a a blessed morning it's been already. Uh, Great worship time. It's really awesome to hear Katie Culbreth singing this morning. It was great. We were sitting on the road with the Culbreths. You know where is Caitlin. I know where is Katie. She's Katie now, you know. And that was beautiful, Katie, wherever you are. There she is, okay. She was uh, singing and uh, Landon was like, and Grayson was like, <laughs> so I was great watching them as, while she was uh, singing uh, for us this morning. A couple of things I do want to highlight that have already been mentioned. I won't take long. Coffee house tonight. Our home group, which will be with the Fuquay guys up front here this morning. Uh, our home group is going to be at the coffee house tonight from 6.30 to 8. I hope you'll be here. It's a great... The, the message today is, ta- is focused on community and small groups, but our group is going to be part of a larger group tonight as we <clears throat> uh, worship the Lord and just enjoy fellowship with one another for those outside of our home group. Also, I wanted to mention, I, I intended to bring it today. Uh, I subscribe to Time Magazine as well as Christianity Today and Modern Reformation, so don't get too excited. But Time Magazine, the, the, the cover story this week is, Is Monogamy Outdated? In the eyes of the world, yes, it is, you know. But, but we're not called to that. It is not in the Lord's plan uh, to be outdated, to, to just be with whoever you want to, whenever you want to. We're called to faithfulness to one individual in marriage that God designed. And so Marriage Matters, which is going to meet the third Wednesday of the month, just once a month, there are several groups, seven groups. Most of them have anywhere from three to five couples that will be participating. You can still sign up on Grace Connection. We'll extend that for just a little bit more, not Grace Connection, on our website, Grace Community Church website, or on our Facebook page, which will direct you to the website. But we want to encourage as many as you as will sign up now because we're going to close it off uh, after the second session in October. Uh, That gets started on Wednesday night. We have child care, meets from 7 to 8.30, and we will honor your time. We'll be out of there before um, it's it's too late. Well, speaking of uh, family, when someone asks you about your family, are you proud to tell them about your family or would you just as soon change the subject? You know, it's kind of like, 
Nice weather today, ain't it? You know, it's kind of like you just want to talk about anything else. Well, what about when someone knows that you're a Christian? You don't know how they feel about the gospel. Are you excited to tell them about the family that you're a part of? And especially about Jesus, whose death on the cross made a way for you to be in this incredible family? Or would you just as soon change the subject? The answer is most likely dependent on how much you know about the family that you're a part of and how much you appreciate admission into this family, especially when you know about what it means to be outside of God's family. So easy, is it not, when people who care nothing about Christ start mocking Him to want to just kind of be real quiet. I'm not suggesting that you say, You're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. By no means am I suggesting that. But are you ashamed of Jesus, the the one and only unique Son of God who died to give you life and to make your inclusion in God's family possible? Our text this morning is Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Today is not the first Sunday in the series on Hebrews. That comes next week. Today is the end of this series that we have been considering for or we've been in for about eight or nine months now a place in the family it's a great segue text though this text today Hebrews 10 19 to 25 finishes up one series and sort of introduces another I had seriously considered using this text to introduce the book of Hebrews Um, but I decided against it, and it turns out that this passage is perfect to think about our connection in community of small groups. I'm going to resist the temptation this morning to give too much background on the book of Hebrews, because that belongs to the series, and anybody who's just picking up the series from the beginning needs to hear what I would say about that. Also, the next time we encounter this text, we'll spend more time in detail talking about what specifically is meant here. It's putting us in a direction and we're going to make application to this magnificent text. But let me, before we read it, let me just encourage you one more time. Hang around after the service and talk to some of these home group leaders. If you're not in a home group, we would love for you to consider being in a home group. If you don't attend a home group and you attend here on Sunday mornings, absolutely we consider you part of our family. But at least think about getting connected this year, if you would. Um, You saw this morning when Ricky asked our group leaders to stand, how vital, how important home groups are to our church. And I'm guessing from the group that you saw stand up, that you can find some place that's going to meet your needs, that's suited to you, to, to your group, and it's going to meet your needs. Ricky pointed out specifically the wise guys, I think is what he was saying this morning, uh, about this group that meets in Bowie's Creek. But we, we've got all ages, some very young and some that sort of span the ages. So stay around and, and check it out. If you have a child, please go back and secure your children first, or collect your children, as Allison would say, I think. From Australia. Allison from Australia. Allison the Aussie. Well, I better quit playing with that. Uh, Go get your kids and then come. That's always a good idea. Get your children all around you and then try to have an adult conversation. I think that's a good idea. So we'll go with that. Hey, by the way, 
Speaking of all ages, Kathleen McKinney is going to be 90 years old on Saturday. Kathleen, and she said she's able to stand. Would you stand, Kathleen? Yeah! And Jim Aycock's not too far behind her, and it's ridiculous for both of you. I want you to know that. You look like teenagers. Well, let's go to the Scripture and think about this amazing family in which God has placed us. Our text this morning is Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25. So if you would, as is our custom, please stand as we read the Scriptures together. I will be reading, but follow along in your, in your heart. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest or a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, um, you are uh, an amazing God and you've called us into your family. And you've called us into a family that is designed to encourage and build itself up. And then also to take the good news to all those outside the family that there's room. So we pray as we engage these verses this morning in Hebrews 10 that our hearts would be encouraged it would be challenged stimulated and that Lord that we would respond in faith to what you've called us to do in Jesus name amen thanks and be seated when I was in the fifth grade uh, my parents took my sister Nan and May Nam was in the fourth grade. She, the, our parents took us to a Carolina State game in Reynolds Coliseum. Now, I'm sure I had my Carolina blue on in Reynolds Coliseum. Uh, and my favorite player at the time was Billy Cunningham. Anybody remember Billy Cunningham, the kangaroo kid? You know, Billy C, all kinds of nicknames for him. Uh, towards the end of the game, our parents let us go down courtside. We were standing sort of on one end in a corner. And State took a shot that would have won the game. I looked it up. It was 69-68, just as I remembered. I want to make sure before I told this story. 69-68, Carolina won the game. And Reynolds Coliseum went dead quiet, except for one voice that was cheering wildly. I stormed the court alone. (laughs) My fourth grade sister did not come... With me. That's going to bring complications here in just a few minutes. But I quickly found Billy Cunningham and I was running alongside him. I was taking about three steps for his one. We were walking under the stands in the old Reynolds Coliseum. Many of you state folks, I know some of you have been in there. 
and, and, and towards the, the locker room. And I had a pen and a paper. I was thinking, can I get your autograph? Can I get your autograph? He said, I'll do it after I, uh, after I come out of the locker room. Well, they weren't even coming out of the locker room. I mean, in the Reynolds Coliseum, you know, the old locker rooms, you'd open the door and walk down the steps and go to the... And I'm sure they had a back way out of there. Um, but he sort of brushed us up. There were about two or three other guys with me. And he said, I'll do it when I come out. Well, the other guys left. I didn't. I went to the door by the, by the, uh, the locker room and I just held my post. How long do you think I waited? I was fifth grade. I waited a long time. Now, after about 20 minutes, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get this. I'm in fifth grade, but I'm not that dumb, you know. I'm thinking, he ain't coming out. But I stayed right where I was. Well, after about another 10, 15 minutes, a trainer walked by and he says, Excuse me, who are you waiting for? I said, Billy Cunningham. He said he'd come and give me his autograph. He said, Just a minute. He walked in, came back out, and he said, Come on. I thought I was in a dream. Now, just imagine it. I'm walking down the steps to the locker room. Caroline. I, nobody, we didn't know Dean Smith was going to be that great. I'd have had his autograph too. But, but a lot of the players had already showered. They had their suits on. They were ready for the bus back. Billy Cunningham still in his uniform talking to a reporter. And said, Billy, Billy, here's the kid. And so he scribbled his name. And I left. And went out to an empty parking lot. Except for our car and a few more. My parents were in the front. Now again, just imagine this. I was there for 30, 40. They weren't worried about me. It was a different day than it is now. (laughs) And so I, I made my way back to the car. My parents were up front. My sister was in the back seat. She was furious, just fuming. The doors were locked. And I had to just stand out there for a while. Finally, she opened the door and I got in to take my beating. I mean, that's what you did in those days. You know, you, you never hit a girl. You were trained. You just do not hit a girl. So she beat on me. But I had a smile the whole way home, you know. I mean, look, I got what I... Not only did I get what I was after in Billy Cunningham's autograph, I got access to this locker room. How amazing is that? It just doesn't... Happen. When you think about it, I was granted access to a locker room to get an autograph that the star player didn't want to give. Really didn't want to be bothered with it. But a trainer took pity on me. And after a half an hour, I got a meaningless signature. That may have been the most significant access I've ever had in my life. Not much of a life, I know what you're thinking. And you're right. I mean, an ordinary life, I suppose. I've been denied access many times to places I would like to be. Although, um, I've occasionally been granted the the access to a particular person that I I wanted to know. Big time invitations, or they seemed like it at the time. But you know what? I have absolute unfettered access to the creator God of the universe, the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Anytime, every day, anytime, day or night, I can walk right into His room. And guess what? He's delighted to see me when I come into His presence. 
He's thrilled. In fact, when I'm not there, he's saying, where's bread? Somebody get bread. Bring him into my presence. I want him in my presence. Now that's a big deal. Hebrews 10, once again. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Look, oftentimes, my son had a very similar experience we, Charlotte Horn, that I did. Charlotte Hornets went, used to train in Boone and we would go up from TVR and Kelly Trapuca, Kurt Rambus, they just blew him off, you know. Oh, I'll do it later, right? God wants us in His He grants us access at any time, day or night. Jesus, and here's how that access, access came about. And look, why wouldn't they blow us off? Who were we? They could easily get distracted if all they did was sign autographs all day. I, I get that. We're nobody, but Jesus made a way for us to get right into the presence of God. He was made like us in every way, except that without sin. He never sinned. As the second Adam, he got right what Adam got wrong. But he persevered in this life. Though there was great temptation, and though he prayed that God would find another plan for this access being made available to us, He fulfilled all righteousness. He died. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He advocates and intercedes for us all the time. And we walk into the Father's presence because of the Son. Before Jesus died, it wasn't like that at all. Once a year, the high priest would take a blood offering into a place known as the Holy of Holies. We'll go into this in much more detail in the coming weeks. And, and he would offer this sacrifice for his own sins as well as the sins of the other people. And it was a fearful thing for the high priest to go in once a year. But now, because Jesus is our high priest, we can go with confidence, full assurance of faith. Another place in Hebrews tells us that we go boldly into the presence, to the throne room of God and find help In a time of need and trouble. And you know what? That ought to take our breath away. That we have that kind of access. That ought to take our breath away. No matter what access you have been denied in this life. In the courts. In clubs. On a team. In the neighborhood. In the office. Even in your own family. If you belong to God's family, you have access anytime, day or night, to the Father. If you're like me, you may be so disappointed in the access that you're denied here in this life that you fail to avail yourself of the access that has been granted to you. Rather than saying, Lord, it's not about this world 
I want to worship you. You're politic and doing everything you can to get the access in this life that other people don't want to give you. Who's ever heard of access like we have to the Lord? This family that we're a part of is like no other. We all have. Look, the more kids you have, the more difficult it is for the kids to have individual time with the parents. And that's okay. Usually big happies are family happies. A happy families, I mean. Family happies. That's a new one. I coin new words and phrases every week. So, But we draw near to the Father with full assurance of faith. Again, because of Jesus' sacrifice. Think about the truth of these, this scripture. His blood having cleansed our evil consciences and having washed our bodies Pure, making us acceptable to stand in his presence. And by the way, what did we do to earn this access? Nothing. Absolutely. In fact, we did everything possible to be denied this access. We went in the wrong direction. It's not like the ball says, Oh, McKinney, Ted McKinney, yeah, he's a good man. He's one of our good workers. Yeah, tell him, come on in here for two or three minutes. I got two or three minutes I can meet. Not like that at all. We didn't deserve to be in God's presence and yet He grants us. And it's a far bigger deal for Jesus to grant us that kind of access than for that trainer to usher me into that Carolina room. God didn't feel sorry for us. He loved us and made a way. Having been granted this access, we are in debt to the one who affords us Such great privilege. I didn't mention the first point, which was family, privilege, access. Now, let's think about our second thought in this text. Family, responsibility, perseverance. I almost gave Hebrews the subtitle. If I were going to give it a subtitle, it would probably be Jesus is better. Katie's song was so appropriate today. God is greater. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is greater than anybody, anything, any law, any plan that had ever gone before. Jesus is greater. What what subtitle I played with for a long time was holding fast to our confession of hope. God calls for his children to persevere in a world that is hostile to the gospel. Verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I'm not going to give too much detail again about the circumstances surrounding the writing of this sermon. It's a sermon, not a letter. But I'm going to be given a lot more in the coming weeks. But for now, it's important, or it, it will suffice to know, that some of the readers of Hebrews were thinking about walking away. In fact, a lot of people in this church had walked away. And, and a small group, relatively small group, remained, primarily Jewish believers. I'm sure there were some Gentiles in there who understood the Old Testament, knew the Old Testament and understood it. But he was writing primarily to Jewish believers who, who were thinking about walking away. And the 
writer of Hebrews said, Do not. Do it. Do not walk away. It would be dangerous for you. He talks about the hope that we have. Holding fast to our confession of hope. Whenever you see the word hope in the New Testament, it almost always refers to eternal life with Jesus that is ours because we trust His sacrifice, not our good works. We're not trusting the good things that we have done to be good enough because they never can be. But we trust what Jesus did for us. It's not our hope that we'll get a promotion at work. It's not our hope that we'll get well from an illness. It's not even our hope that our child will return to the Lord. And all of those, if that, that first one gets tricky when you want a promotion at work because our heart, but of course you want people to be well. Of course you want your children to walk with Jesus. But that's not, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is with Christ for eternity because of what He has done for us. It's not based on what people think about us or how successful we are, how much money we have, or how many friends that we can count. It's not about any of those things. It's based on our relationship with Jesus. And while our hope is based on God's faithfulness, according to verse 23, it's also true that the writer exhorts believers to hold fast to their confession of hope. Hebrews 10, this section of Hebrews 10, different scholars look at it at different places where it begins, but it's it's one of the five warning passages. This passage today, in five warning passages in Hebrews, this passage today is that we're looking at, is filled with encouragement and hope. You go just one verse later, and it's pretty strong and scary. Like, if you walk away, there's no hope for you. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in living life in this community, persevering, walking with Him. Amy Bird had this to say about the charge to hold fast to our confession of faith. Quote, faith is a gift, but it is a fighting grace. Holding fast to our confession of hope requires conditioning. I met with two military guys, Jesse Geyer and Ben Grumbach, the other morning for breakfast, and I was thinking, wow, I'm not in very good condition. You know, Jesse's on his way to the base and Ben just retired. Our confession of hope requires conditioning. It's not merely something we recite when times are getting tough. But rather a persistent fight to exercise our faith by actively engaging in the gospel. Revealed in God's word. No matter what our circumstances. Thankfully, Christian perseverance isn't a battle we fight alone. Our exhortation begins with two important words that can be easily skipped over. It could just read, hold fast to your confession of hope. But it doesn't. This is a sermon letter addressing a congregation. And so it begins, let us hold fast to our confession of hope. The first thing we realize is that we hold fast to our confession in the covenant community of the church. Close quote. Aren't you glad that something that is so important as our confession of hope is not left to us alone? God gave us everything we need to persevere. It is, in fact, the family secret. 
community. You've heard people say, this recipe has been in the family for generations. It's a family secret. You know, and you're saying, what is it? No, no, it's a family secret. Well, our family secret isn't all that private. The recipe for perseverance in our confession of hope has been in the family for almost 2,000 years. It's the, 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 the community that we are a part of is larger than our home groups, our individual home groups. It's larger than our church. It's larger than all of the people who are alive today that follow Jesus. It goes back to the days immediately after Jesus rose from the dead and the church was begun at Pentecost. We're also connected, according to Romans 3, to all those who were before Jesus, the blood of Christ being the basis of their forgiveness of sins. Romans 3 talks about how God overlooked their sins until the blood could be applied. Jesus walking into this holy of holies in heaven and applying the blood as we're going to see so much of in in our study in Hebrews. We are connected to councils and creeds. People say, I don't have a creed, just the Bible. So you've got it all figured out. No, you don't. We're not, we're not smart. None of us are smart enough to figure it out on our own. We're connected to all of church history, councils and creeds, martyrs and missionaries. They're all part of our community. I hope when you see Christians' heads being cut off because they're Christians. That you feel a connection. That you're praying for those families. That you understand that this is part of our family. This is who we are. The community that is designed to help us hold on to our collective confession of hope. While it's connected all the way back is specifically all around us. No doubt some of you work or study or play with believers from other churches, but the Sermon of Hebrews was addressed to a local church, and that church often met in small groups just like we do. Verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. There are so many benefits to living in community. Let's just think about a few. And then we'll break for you to be able to talk to some of the home group leaders. First, when you meet in community, you're not likely to forget the one to whom you belong. Jesus said that the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like to the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. The more you live in community, the more you realize that you belong to Jesus. And the more you recognize that we have a responsibility to get out there and to serve those who don't know Him as well as serving one another. You may feel like you're all alone in this world. (laughs) Not so. You may think that you 
have got it all figured out, as we've already talked about, or that you're smarter than everybody else. You're not. You may think you're the biggest loser to ever walk the face of the earth. Not close. When you live in community, you remember that you belong to Jesus. You also get to understand the second part. You live, you get to live outside of your own head. See, when you're living in your head, you may be thinking all those things. Well, I, I know what I'm talking about. Or, I'm nobody. I'm just, but community's not going to let you go either way. I'm going to say, look, Jesus is the head of our church. We follow him. And everyone who follows him is enormously valuable in his sight. And we have access to the Father. If you feel like you're invisible here at Grace Community Church, can I ask you, if you would go to a home group just for a month, I mean, if you still feel like you're invisible after that, then we've got a problem with our church. If you come, even if you come for a month, if you're an introvert and and people don't come up and talk to you, then I'm sorry, I want them to. I try every day, every Sunday, I try to get to people that I've never seen before. And occasionally some of them say, yeah, I've been coming for six months. But I try, I try to make that connection. Sometimes they say, and we've met three times, you know. <laughs> but that's my age. I'm just, having, I'm just hoping you'll figure that out. But look, if you're an introvert, we've got a lot of introverts in here. Introverts that go to home groups. And it's tough for them initially getting involved. But if you'll go to a home group, I doubt you're going to feel invisible anymore. I think you're going to feel like a part of the community. People who are in home groups, a lot of them think, I just don't know what what life would be like outside of this. If I didn't have this group of people that I'm connected with, I don't know. And they say things like, I've never felt loved like I'm loved in this place. So, just imagine the benefit with the way the world thinks in, in such opposition so that the question is even asked, is monogamy outdated? And essentially what the editors of Time Magazine are doing by putting that on the cover is to say, if it's not, we want to push it there just as quickly as we can. But most likely it means that it already is. In everybody's mind, and we know that. When I go to Australia, it is so, so often that when you say, I'm so-and-so and this is my partner, they're not married. They just, it's accepted. It's just accepted. It's very close to that here. When you're in, in community, <clears throat> and, and when you're in, living inside your own head, all you do is you hear the world saying this, don't be judgmental, you can't talk, you can't think like that. That's awful the way you think. We need to silence those voices. But when you're in community, you're reminded who you belong to and how he expects you to live and what he thinks about you. You get outside of your head. (coughs) If you have others walking with you, then the next point will be true. You're more likely to seek first the kingdom of God. In what ways are you being pulled away from the Lord and towards destruction. I mean, it's never easy to think more about others than you think about yourself. Yesterday, 
at, in Chapel Hill, Jimmy, my friend and I, the, we go to the games and we got a place that we park. And this truck had been trying to get in, you know, going to turn left for a long time. And, and I said, I'm going to let that guy in. And so I let him in, you know. And then I said immediately, well, a nice, at least a little wave would be appreciated, you know. It's like, I'm this really good guy. Don't you acknowledge that? Um, and Jimmy said, he waved, he waved. I said, oh, I'm so, I'm so ashamed. But that's the way we are, isn't it? You know, when other people aren't as thoughtful as we are, what do we think? That's all part of a works kind of a man. I'm good enough. And all I have to do to be good enough is to be better than you. In just one or two areas. That's, the, that's typically the way. But see, when you live in community, you won't get away with that. You have to engage Scripture at that level that says you've got to live for others, not yourself. It's never easy to think more about others than yourself. It's not Easy to be courageous when you're living or working with unbelievers who don't like your life as Jesus' disciple. And face it, unless the Lord has given you a particular heart and mind, you will not find it easy to study Scripture. If you're not too busy, you're too interested in other forms of entertainment. But when you live in community... As Ricky said, these are sermon-based studies that we do. You're following up on the sermon and you're going more in detail. And you're encouraged to get deeper into the Word. Person after person after person that I know, after starting home group, decided to read through the Bible in a year. You know what a benefit that is? Wouldn't it be interesting if, if, if I were to say, How many of you would stand for the Lord with His help, even be willing to die for Him if you were called to die? Stand up. And then, you know, almost the whole room stands up. Some of you would stand up because you don't want to be. But if, if you, from your heart, from your heart, if you could truly say, with the Lord's help, yes, I would die for Him, and you stand up, And then I were to say, those of you who have read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, His Word... Remain standing. Everyone else sit down. Then what? Not many standing. So can I ask you a question? What are you dying for? Really? But you know what? That's easy to say in this kind of a setting. In community though, you find the encouragement and the strength to collectively do these kinds of things. So by the way, that is a plug for reading through the Bible next year. If you haven't, you don't have to start right now. You can wait till January. The Daily Bible, which is chronological, is a good one. Um, um, the one-year Bible, the one that I use, Old, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day. It, it lays it out for you. You find strength, you find encouragement in community to get deeper Into the word. When you live in intentional community, you're more likely to seek God's kingdom first in your life. And some of you think, I am just too busy to participate. I can't do this. You may need it more than anybody else. 
I know how busy life is. I keep talking about the game at Carolina yesterday. I, I, I cannot tell you how busy I am. How I am up till after midnight, up early in the morning, working. I know what it's like. Living in community encourages me to love people like I should. And by the way, that's going to pass after this for start of the year gets done. Well, I'll, be, I'll be better very soon, so don't feel you know, too sorry for me. Especially if you see me sitting out in Starbucks, you know, drinking some coffee. But when you're busy, you really need community. We all need Christian community because of the next principle. You will not forget that one day you will have to give an account for your life to God. I'm not sure that there's ever been a generation that lives with so little thought to the account that each person will give at the end of his or her life than the one that is, a current, that is currently alive and in business. I mean, certainly not in our country. Who thinks about Judgment Day? We've made it not that big a deal at all. I mean, even Christians often seem to think they're not going to have to give an account of how they lived. I can't worry about that because I'm so busy. Look at verses 24 and 25 again. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day Drawing near. Last point. You're far more likely to give a good account of yourself if you live in community than if you do not. That's what we just read, right? When you meet together, you are reminded of the day of the Lord. Judgment day. The day of Jesus' return is drawing near. And if you live intentionally in community that God has designed for you, the likelihood of you giving a good account of yourself is far greater than if you try to go it alone. Because this life was not designed to go it alone. So let me encourage you. Are you involved in home group? If, you, if you're not, again, yes, you're a, a very important part. I know that you have gifts and that you use your gifts for the good of the body. In ways that we don't even know. And you are a blessing to us. We are so grateful that you're here. But can I encourage you to just give it a shot. We're going to get to it in just a few moments. For for now let's bow in prayer if you would. Our Father. We can pray to you because we have access we're not held outside waiting for a meeting that you don't want to have we can walk right into your presence because of Jesus we thank you creator God God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you, Father, for sending your Spirit who helps all of this to make sense to us. We're going to need 
the help of the Spirit when we come to Hebrews. He's the author of Scripture. And He will help us understand it. It's complicated and it's so simple all at the same time. It's going to feel a lot more complicated than simple. And we need your help. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and bless you. And all of God's people said, Amen. go in peace.